Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of College and Career Coffee Chats with Delicia. I'm your host, Delicia Larcón, your resident hype tia or your fellowship fairy godmother. However you would like to describe me as, I'm here for you. This is another episode of interviews and guest speakers coming in to chat with me about being a first generation, how to navigate imposter syndrome, how to navigate the world uh, today in the work environment, the application process, the undergraduate admissions, and the graduate admissions process. We're here together to chat about it, to peel back the layers, to peel back the curtain behind what happens in higher education, to really provide the skills and the tools necessary to succeed in whatever that goal is for you. So make sure you have your coffee, your energy drink, or tea, whatever you want to listen in on this conversation between my guests, my colleagues, and my friends. And make sure you stay tuned so you can get access to all the free goodies and the gifts that I have created for you as it relates to training, about scholarships, about resume writing, about cover letter, anything that you need in the process. I've created some gifts for you so you can download those instantly and have access to the workbooks and the trainings. And stay tuned if you would like to join the Facebook group and the community to connect with everyone. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of College and Career Coffee Chats. Today, I'm so excited. I have Yesenia Tostado here with me, and we're going to talk all things uh, college um, burnout, college success, and how do we define first generation. So before we jump into our conversation, I want to introduce her with her awesome bio. So she loves to appreciate time every day to experience a life well lived by actively being adventurous. She is a first generation Mexican American college graduate and a daughter of immigrants. A brief roadmap of her life is that I would highlight that she grew up in East Los Angeles or East LA, how some people like to say, <laughs> and she played soccer seven summers in a row and had two different programs, Project Gear Up and College Match to support her in her college going journey. After learning about the value of a liberal arts education, Yesenia moved across the country to attend college in Pennsylvania, you know, my home state right now, where she got to learn so much about herself, had something, had some amazing experiences with her best friends and was fortunate enough to study abroad twice, something else that we connected on and we'll chat more about that um, in our conversation. And after earning a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology and Health Studies certificate program from Dickinson College, Yesenia moved to the Chicagoland area to be an AmeriCorps scholar coach to support high school students in their journey to college. After completing her two years of service and taking a much needed break between jobs, yes, take a break, Yesenia moved to Colorado to join College Track Aurora as a college completion advisor. Yesenia believes in the 10-year promise that College Track makes to its students to get to and through college and into their careers. In this current role as an advisor, Yesenia works diligently to support students in their own journeys for a life of opportunities, choice, and power through the value of a college degree. So as you can tell, if you have listened to previous episodes uh, where I chat about my experiences, you can tell that Yesenia and I have so many intersections and layers that we connect on from study abroad, from working with students and college success. And I'm 
really, really excited to have her here today because we have some great topics we're going to discuss. So without further ado, here is Yesenia. And before we start, actually, let's cheers our coffee. Yes. Cheers. I'm so cheers. happy to be here. <laughs> Enjoy it. If you don't have coffee, maybe tea or energy or drink or water, whatever floats your boat. (laughs) I have to switch it up between coffee and water. (laughs) Yes, me too. So with all those things that we chatted about, let's start right in. How do you define first generation um, identity as a Mexican-American daughter of immigrants? That's a great question. Um, (laughs) Off textbook, right? Like, yes. uh, As a Mexican American daughter of immigrants, like when I think of first gen, it just makes me think of all of the different experiences that are first, right? My parents are thankfully homeowners, so that I won't be a first in that (laughs) specific area. But there was like, I was the first to graduate from college. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot more first. I do want to, you know, go and get my master's degree at some point, uh, maybe start a business of my own. So that would maybe create a first gen experience of like, uh, taking what my parents have taught me, right? Like hard work and really good work ethic and seeing it transform itself into something that I can leave as a legacy for my family, for for what my parents installed in me. Um, Just when I think of first generation, it's just first new experiences that your parents, Mm -hmm. your families, your ancestors didn't have a chance to do on their own for lack of resources, for lack of opportunities, right? And And so in doing that, like not just taking those first experiences and moving forward, but also sharing them with family, like, when I did get to study abroad, my mom would send my pictures to my grandma back in Mexico, and then they would see all of the places that I got to travel to so they could live vicariously through me, right? It's a, it's a way, as a first gen, it's, it's about exploring the world and, ex- and learning more about yourself, others, and society, and bringing it back and like trying to make the world a better place by starting with yourself and your family first. Absolutely. I I love that. It's first gen experiences, right? More so Mm -hmm. than some people like to say the only in your family to do certain thing. It's like, no, we're adding more experiences to our livelihood. Mm -hmm. And um, you mentioned for uh, study abroad. Where did you study abroad in your undergrad experience? I got to study abroad in Malaga, Spain, and then in Japan. Ooh, I love Spain. (laughs) I studied abroad in Sevilla in undergrad and also Australia, or Brisbane, Australia. So I've been reminiscing those years. (laughs) Same. (laughs) With, um, especially now that we can't uh, travel as often or as frequently with everything going on in the world those mm-hmm. pictures that you mentioned I would send to my mom and I even wrote like postcards to my grandparents when they were in they were still living in Paraguay at that time so I would send them postcards and pictures and whatsapp wasn't really a thing it was mm-hmm. when I was studying abroad I used Voxer and Viber whatsapp wasn't that big um, as it is now 
which is easier to communicate um, with uh, family members or friends that are abroad. So mm -hmm. I think about that and I'm like, wow, technology has really uh, expanded in these last five to seven years. It really has. Technology keeps evolving and I'm amazed by how much information we're exposed to these days since quarantine, right? Like people yeah. have really turned to Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, yeah. all kinds of <laughs> applications so that they could stay connected, find community. And I think our study abroad experiences allowed us to, you know, find community in these new spaces, mm -hmm. but also bring those experiences to back home. Um, and so having that experience allowed us to like, be more comfortable in diving into the social media world of like meeting people that are in different states. That's how I met you. Yes. <laughs> Thanks to technology, right? So I met Yesenia through, it was like the first gen group on mm -hmm. Instagram, uh, not Instagram, on Facebook. Um, and I had this crazy idea, right? To start this podcast and was like, who wants to chat with me? who wants to tell their story and who wants to kind of serve as a mentor for um, younger Latina women or younger college students uh, because we both work in college success spaces mm -hmm. and uh, early career development so um, we're kind of merging those experiences through these conversations and what made you choose uh, Dickinson College coming from East LA and the West Coast, coming to the East Coast, totally different energy feel. Um, and fun fact, I almost went to Dickinson College too because I loved their study abroad program. Everything from their marketing to the beginning of figuring out um, if you wanna go there is about study abroad. Um, I ultimately chose Fairfield University because they gave me more uh, dollars. However, I am really grateful for my study abroad um, or that was one of the biggest things I needed in a program is I wanted to make sure that my study abroad experience could happen. Um, and Dickinson College is a really good university for that. So I'm curious, what made you choose that all the way from uh, East LA? Yeah. I grew up in East Los Angeles and I spent 18 years and in high school, like I got to explore the East LA area and the the surrounding neighborhoods with friends and I felt like oh they're like there's so much more out there and programs like college track not not well similar to college track but specifically yeah. programs that I was involved with um, in middle school and high school um, programs like college match and project gear up like they really exposed me to what there was outside of what was known to me. They took us down to San Diego. They took us down up to San Francisco. They took us on a New York trip. I got to explore the Mid-Atlantic region, visiting colleges up and down um, North, up and down North Carolina to like New York, upstate New York. Um, and these programs really expanded, broadened my horizon of like what was available to me as a first-gen student of color, um, of low-income background, right? Like, there, there are these institutions who want you um, mm -hmm. and who are willing to invest in you um, so that you can get um, new experiences, right? And so programs, both programs um, really 
had a big influence on my college decision. Um, because they opened those doors to me, I knew that like, I didn't have to stay in California. Um, and California is known to have some of the best public universities. Yes. Right? And I think my family would have loved to have me nearby, but I really needed to find autonomy away from my family. I really needed to figure out who I was and do it in a way that was, that in a way that felt authentic. <laughs> it's a buzzword these days. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe in the moment I didn't realize it, right? But I think yeah. for me it was a lot of like, I wanted to escape what I knew, not because I didn't want it or I didn't love it, but because I was craving more. Um, mm -hmm. And so I chose Dickinson <laughs> primarily because of their study abroad program, like two thirds of their student body population get to study abroad at some point during their four years. But outside of that, like I was what I really wanted a small institution, you know, mm -hmm. small student to professor ratio. Um, I grew up in East LA. I'm like 20 minutes away from downtown. Like I grew up in a very metropolitan area, right? Like big mm -hmm. city, very sur surrounded by a lot of Latinos, a lot of Hispanics. <laughs> and so I wanted to so I chose to go to Dickinson in a small town in the middle mm -hmm. of Pennsylvania <laughs> focus on my education and really um cultivate long-lasting relationship because there was the, there were in those family obligations of like oh you have to you know help out at home or you have to come back home on the weekends or whatever the case was, like distractions. Like I work with students these days and a lot of my students commute and it's just really hard to detach yourself from the life you're accustomed to, to when you're trying to build a new life, a new, a new life that, that also blends your old life, but, but you need that detachment so that when you find who you are, like you really defined what you want out of life you can say okay this is how what I grew up with mm -hmm. can now influence what I want for my future based on my current pres current experiences mm -hmm. so absolutely yeah, I was looking for that independence <laughs> yes <laughs> I think um, there's so many layers to our decision making process for choosing a university um, and I want to point out how um, part of that, those layers for it's different as a, a Latina woman, as a young adult um, and first generation, right? We have these nuanced layers of familial responsibility, of familial attachment and familial connections that are not a bad thing. It's, it's beautiful to have these um, kind of stereotypical idea of, oh, like big Latino family or like we're so connected or, and it's beautiful. However, like you articulated is, we ha also have to give ourselves the opportunity to build an autonomous being outside of that and give ourselves space and time to figure that out. And if we're maybe, um, commuting or living close to home, we don't have that um, clear separation to build that. 
And I noticed that a lot in my students when I'm advising first generation, not only Latino, but if they're coming from a Haitian background or uh, from a black community or um, immigrant family, they have a hard time maybe having a conversation with their parents saying, I want to live on campus, even though it's more expensive. Um, and I'm willing to take on this loan because I need this autonomous space. And that's a hard ask for a young adult who's 17, 18, 19, living with parents and needing financial stability and support from them. So it's, those are hard questions and hard conversations that we have to navigate. And part of the reason I started this uh, podcast is to have those conversations between us that have kind of been through it and figure <laughs> out how do we support people and students who are in these spaces right now, having these conversations right now with their parents. And I know in these times in quarantine, it's really hard because we have to be home maybe if you're virtually learning. Mm -hmm. um, but even within virtual learning, how do you create a space and boundaries within the household? Um, I think they're hard conversations, but they can be done. Um, but again, we have to notice that it's hard because if they have to take care of their siblings or their parents are working, like those are the things that first generation students are dealing with right now, today, mm -hmm. um, that we're kind of supporting as academic uh, student success um, professionals, right? Um, and I, one thing I wanted to expand upon, as you said, I was hungry for something uh, when I studied abroad. And I could re that resonates with me, that lands with me too, because I love my undergrad experience, I love my family, but I also wanted to experience something outside of the United States and mm -hmm. have that study abroad independence, cross-cultural experience. Um, so if you could, I know this is a hard question, but if you can pinpoint something that you can take from Malaga or from Japan, um, that kind of encompasses your experiences. Yeah. Well, before I answer that question, I really, I briefly wanted to touch on boundaries. Um, yes. Go ahead. Talk about boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> because that's a, that's a, that is something that we find very difficult to have conversations around. And when, when I made my, de my decision to go across country, one of the reasons was because I wanted to create a physical boundary between my family. Um, and that was my way of, of creating a boundary without having to have a conversation about it. Um, and my parents were really open with it because the programs that I was in, specifically college match, like they had a meeting with our parents and they were like, this program specifically is to have your students go out of state. If you don't want your students to go out of state, mm -hmm. then the door's right there. You and your student can leave. Oh, okay. So if you're going to be an obstacle in your student's future, they really had that hard conversation with our parents for on our behalf. And that is something that I'm appreciative of because that's a difficult conversation to have at like 16, 17 year old when you're like telling your parents, I want to leave home and I want to leave across country. And so thanks to programs who advocated for me, right? Um, they gave me to some extent, like the language of like, slowly prepare your family, like you're gonna leave out of state, you're gonna go far away, like just prepare them that last year of senior year. Um, mm. And it's just about, it's, it's a matter of framing it and wording it in a way that is like, 
you know, it's a decision I've made and I want you to be supportive of it. Right. Um, and it's still really hard, you know, <laughs> creating different kinds of boundaries with parents these days. Like the older you get, you learn more about your parents or your parents are trusting of you to share more things that they wouldn't if you were younger. And so it's like, how do you go about that? <laughs> it's an ongoing process, right? But yeah, yeah, just yeah. Touch a little bit on that. Yeah, it's an ongoing learning curve. And, and every stage of our life has a new learning curve and new conversations. But that's amazing that these programs, um, College Match and Gear Up had kind of a scaffolding experience for you where they prepared your parents on your behalf, which mm -hmm. is why these programs are so important and mentorship and um, advocacy is so important because they're more like maybe a parent is more likely to listen to a seasoned professional talking on your behalf versus a 16, 17 year old saying, I want to leave kind of thing. Um, so I'm also grateful for kind of those advocates for our students right now that we're advocates on it for our students, right? Mm -hmm. We show up for them and we have those conversations with parents as well um, and navigate um, those uh, experiences. I think that's why it's so important. Um, and yeah, of course, boundaries are an ongoing process an ongoing conversation, which uh, we'll probably have a part two about that. <laughs> yes, we, we, I'd be up for that. <laughs> Yeah, going back to your question about studying abroad, right? <laughs> I know we had a little yeah. No, it's okay. These whatever comes up is what needs to come up in our conversations, and we can always go back to the other questions. <laughs> um, but parent engagement is also very important. Like in the career that we're in, right, where we are advocating for our students, we're supporting them in their own journey to success. Like parent engagement is key, so that our mm -hmm. students have the support, not just at school or through a program, but also at home. Everybody got to be on the same page. And sometimes programs um, don't prioritize parent engagement. Mm -hmm. And then that makes it very difficult when your student's trying to make a decision around college. At least that's what I've observed in my line of work, um, specifically with some of our parents here. Right. Absolutely. Parent engagement should be a priority and um, also kind of make it, try to make it easier for them in a way too. It's like ABC, um, this is what we're going to discuss um, and go from there. Um, do you think um, without that kind of parent engagement support from College Match, your experiences would have been different, um, having to navigate these conversations with your parents alone? I don't think I would have gone as far, or mm -hmm. I would have had all the experiences that I've been able to. Mm -hmm. um, because I would have stayed in my comfort zone to some extent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's part of um, study abroad too, right? Putting yourself outside of your comfort zone, outside of the comfort of, or the contours of the U.S., which is where we grew up. Um, how do you define your uh, undergrad experience at uh, a small liberal arts university versus growing up in a metropolitan city? 
Uh, could you identify maybe some learning curves or um, what kind of helped you through those experiences? I think the biggest learning curve, there's a couple. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I was surrounded by Latinos, Hispanic, immigrant families, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of people that looked like me in the LA area. And then I went to this small liberal arts school in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. Small town, cute small town. They have amazing <laughs> restaurants. So if you're ever in Carlisle, <laughs> I would recommend Issei noodles. But um, going there, right, it's a predominantly white institution. So I had to really go out of my way to find like-minded people to find mm -hmm. people that I could connect with or to navigate building relationships with people that were different from me. Um, and that took time. I think that first year I was like kind of rolling with the punches and taking things personal. And then I had to learn to not take things personal and like choose my battles to some extent mm -hmm. um, because my primary focus was to you know, earn my bachelor's degree. And I didn't want to do something that would take away this opportunity for me because of, of feeling like, oh, like people around here may not like me or people don't respect me. Like I'm gonna go back home. Mm -hmm. And I have to be very intentional with that decision. Like if I am hard, being hardships, like do I, how do I define giving up in this kind of situation uh, versus I stick through it because, right, our presence is our assistance. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was like, I'm going to stick through it. And so that first year was a lot of challenges around like understanding my place in the community, understanding how my culture influence, influences my identity, how my race influences my identity, how people see me because of these things and having, and having to like learn that, you know, just as much as, as all these other students, I too belong here. And I right. did have like this really beautiful moment at the end of my first year where it's like, wow, I'm really far away. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm a thousand miles away from home, like out here in college. Um, and I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to stick to it because I was getting ready to go home for summer break, but that could make it or break it for some of our students. And mm -hmm. we have to really reflect on like, is this worth it or is this not? And it's mm -hmm. okay if it's not right. You can always transfer. Mm -hmm. um, you can always go back home. Um, but it's really like, it's really about being intentional about how you want to move forward and like mm -hmm. being okay with mistakes or being okay with like you know I can't do this maybe in the moment maybe I need a break like I had friends who did have to take some time off from school and they came back eventually right but it's a lot of like reading the situation and hearing your mind body and soul in that moment so that you're not burning out <laughs> and mm -hmm. you're not, you know, failing due to, um, due to low energy. Right. 
Yeah. Or low motivation, right? Like mm-hmm. if you do have low motivation, acknowledging in that and asking for help and seeking the resources. Like I remember specifically my sophomore year, um, which I think helped a lot in my experience at Dickinson was like seeking counseling services so that I could navigate those spaces out of new to me in a way that made sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's such a need to um, pinpoint um, and read the situation. Like, do I need uh, counseling in this space? Do I actually want to transfer? Do I actually need to be home? And like you said, summer is a make or break it or winter break is make or break for some students where they really decide to transfer and they realize how um, navigating a PWI is something they don't want to do anymore, which is totally fine, right? Predominantly white institutions are set up and by design, not for um, people of color, right? So Mm -hmm. I love what you said. And I want to really take a moment for it to sit with you with me and for our listeners is our presence is our resistance. So uh, Yesenia said in this conversation, um, through navigating a predominantly white institution, which I also did. I went to Fairfield University, Jesuit, uh, PWI um, in Connecticut. So our presence is our resistance. So showing up and being in these spaces that are designed for us not to be there um, is our resistance. So I really want you to sit with that if you're listening, if you're having a moment where you're at a PWI right now and you're just like, I can't do this anymore or this is not for me, um, but you have an ounce of motivation to keep going, please keep going. Like there is light at the end of the tunnel and, and there is support at every a juncture of your experience. That could be at, in the Diversity Multicultural Center, in counseling, and if your school has a TRIO Student Support Services Program, Project Excel at Fairfield University or McNair Fellows, something, I, I can assure you there is one person, there is someone advocating for you at the institutional level. So please go find that person. Please, it, it can be in the financial aid office, it can be in the spiritual, um, uh, what, do, what do they call it, like campus ministry or... Um, professor, someone is there advocating for you, I can assure you they put someone on a diversity committee and they're trying to make it better. Um, So please find that person. If you can't find them, contact us, contact me and we're going to find that person at your university um, or your high school. Or even if you're an early career person and you're at a company, there's there has to be someone if there isn't, then we can talk about it. But um, I just really wanted to sit with that for like a moment because that's real in our college experiences. And definitely there's, um, if you're Latino, right, there's uh, Latinx therapy on Instagram. They have a whole database and a whole resource um, to find uh, someone in your community that can support you through mental health counseling. It's virtual now because of quarantine. Um, I will drop those resources in the show notes. If you can't find it, I will send you the direct link and to the website and to the resource list. Um, there's another one to uh, Brown Girls Therapy, and I think for South Asian Americans, and there's another one for um, for Black Americans as well. 
So based on your identity, they, uh, there are organizations working to support these students. So I'll drop those links uh, below as well. Um, how does that relate to, were you able to find those resources and support studying abroad? Um, did you think you need that or were you able to find it? Abroad, I just really, um, I just really, <laughs> what am I trying to say? <laughs> um, Roaming around the city was the, the support, <laughs> I think for me, it's like, going if I was having a, <laughs> yeah, going to the discotecas was our, our mental health support. Um, I think, like, I, I was in Sevilla, so the architecture, the Gothic architecture, for some reason was really grounding for me. Like, it could be the history with the Moors and um, how we're all really related to that ancestry um, and the history of southern Spain, right? Malaga, Sevilla is in southern part of Spain. Mm -hmm. So that's the nerdy academic side of me coming out because I'll just love me some history. Um, I don't know. That's kind of what helped me. I don't know. I don't know. I just thought of that. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, when I was abroad, I just really relied on the group of the cohort I was with. So yeah. our groups were small enough. It was like yeah. 15 or less people. Um, when I went to Malaga, I think it was like 13 of us and then our professor. And we all stayed with home, our host families. And so okay. I really... Um, I heavily relied on my peers um, for enjoying the beach, I think, and like exploring the city together and like really making the most out of our excursions on the weekends yes. that were built into the program to like not feel homesick or not feel like you were way too out of your comfort zone. Like I was still very much out of my comfort zone. Yeah. First time going abroad. Like I hadn't even been to Mexico when I studied abroad for the very first time. Oh, okay. So that in itself is like, this is a completely new experience. And it was an experience that I had on my own, but with other students, right? But it wasn't with, a, with family. And so that in itself kind of has a significance of its own. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I just heavily relied on my peers. Um, and then when I traveled to Japan, it was a group of eight of us, four American students and four Japanese students and our two professors, or three, three specific professors who were mm -hmm. part of the program. And like when I was in Japan, I heavily relied on those Japanese students, you know, for yeah. the for the culture and the knowledge and um, just the understanding of what's culturally appropriate mm -hmm. or culturally uh, respectful in the in where we're at currently whether we were exploring all these different touristy places like you wanted to be mindful because yes it's a touristy location but you still wanted to acknowledge its significance to the culture right right yeah but I think students in general and I think it goes back also to your comment about there's someone on campus right like it's not just adults like you could you could turn around to your friend right yeah <laughs> and and like have them advocate for you or help you learn how to advocate for yourself because there's things that I learned from friends 
and there were things that I got to do for friends. And so just like I got that experience on campus, I got to kind of experience that abroad as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I loved my role as an orientation leader or a first year mentor. Uh, we're right, we're trained mentors for first year students or second year students, and we serve as that support system. So definitely reach out to your orientation leader, or your first year mentor or some or your resident assistant, your RA, right? They're all trained in advocacy and supporting you and they know who to talk to. And if they don't know who, they will find out for you. So like you said, lean on your friends, lean on your peers um, and create that community on campus is so important um, if you don't know like an adult or like a staff person. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I I was in Sevilla, I live with um, six other girls so our like flat in, in our homestay was our support system like and we're still really good friends to this day um and that becomes lifelong friendships that you just mm-hmm. have this cherished this cherished experience with and you're like um always reminiscing but also growing together um as today I think is really nice um from like a study abroad experience I love it. I met someone during my study abroad experience, and then I got to spend Thanksgiving with them when we got back for our sophomore year. Oh, I love that. That was really nice. (laughs) That, like, interweb. Yeah, especially because, like, you don't really go home for small breaks like Thanksgiving. Um, So, like, it's too expensive, and it's too short of a break. It's too much winter break, right? So... Um, because I was able to lean on her while we studied abroad, she opened up her doors to her home and her family mm-hmm. when it was time to, you know, be in community during off season. Yes. Yes. I love that. So now that we've discussed kind of high school decision for college, study abroad and navigating uh, predominantly white institutions, Um, what would you tell your younger self? Knowing what you know now, what would you tell um, little baby Jacenia or what would I tell little baby Delicia (laughs) um, in high school or middle school? Um, Hmm. That's a a great question. (laughs) Uh, I think something that I really struggle with even, even till this, year it's like finding my voice um Mm -hmm. and in college I remember they had uh when you were accepted into a college there's like these opportunities to like meet the other students that got accepted in your area right and so you go to this like to this alumni's home and then you get to meet all these people right and my mom she pointed out to me um after that gathering that like you were too quiet like why didn't you speak up and stuff like that I was just like these are new people they're strangers I don't know them and yes I guess it could have been a great first opportunity to make friends before going on campus but I think with that being said on the experiences I've had to date something I would tell my middle school self or my high school self is like speak up like use your voice, there is power in your voice, right? Don't be 
don't shy away from sharing your opinions, your ideas, your thoughts on something. Um, Mm -hmm. And I used to think that like, I was just very mindful of what, of what I said and when I said things. And I, I still am to some extent, but there, there are times where it's like, people want to hear your voice. Yeah. It's something that I've struggled with. It's like, do they really? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I would tell my middle school self that like to be more confident and comfortable in sharing my voice. Um, And I think one of the reasons why I struggled when I was younger is because of growing up bilingual, like Spanish was my first language. And Mm -hmm. I was in ESL classes up until the end of fourth grade. Like I did, I wasn't immersed in an all English class until fifth grade. I think that kind of had an influence of how often I wanted to speak up and it's been a learning learning experience up until this year you know (laughs) um and so something that I'm still working on but I think I would highly encourage my younger self but also students right who are listening to this who are trying to figure out how can I say the thing I want to say Um, without feeling judged or conflicted or unsure of like the power that you already hold because you already are powerful and so you just need to take that step um, and like be like there's a saying right with everything that we experience today like it's okay to not be okay and I think that applies Mm -hmm. in just about any context and so I would say it's okay to maybe even say the wrong thing in the moment (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and you'll learn from that experience right someone will correct you or someone will say uh you may you should think about (laughs) I think before you say something type of stuff but just finding your voice yeah I love that. Find your voice. You're, you're already powerful with that voice. Mm-hmm. And I hope this conversation and this podcast serve as motivation to find your voice and find that um, extra push to say what you want to say, right? We all have a story to tell and we all have uh, power in that story. So like you said, if you maybe say something that doesn't resonate with someone or I don't think we ever say anything that's completely wrong because we're not perfect individuals and Mm -hmm. everything we say has some type of learning in it. Um, So kind of move away from that duality of right and wrong, yes and no, and just be like existing in that space. Um, So I love that. I love that um, experience of finding your voice and being okay with that and building that confidence to say what you want to say. Um, and if we never say anything, nothing's going to change or nothing's going to advocate for ourselves. So your voice is your power. I love that. And if you're a student out in the LA area, you should check out um, the Plus Me Project because what they do is they use storytelling to build students' confidence in sharing their stories and understanding their struggles and accomplishments and how all of those have shaped who they are to the date and how it can uh, uplift them and empower them even more 
in the next things that are coming into your life. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Check out that project. Um, find community. Find the people that are going to um, build you up and motivate you. Are there any last words of advice or wisdom that you want to share with our listeners relating to uh, college decisions, study abroad, burnout, all the topics that we talked about um, before we close out this episode? And if you all liked our conversation, stay tuned for part two. Some last minute things. Let's see. Um, just with everything that happened this year, right? Um, like the awakening of all that is going on in the world and how we can be allies and advocates. I think we have to be very conscious of how we show up, how we show up for others um, and be very aligned with your values and like your beliefs. Um, I think even in my own lift experiences, there's been times where it's like, I don't know what I stand for or <laughs> I am struggling with what it is I want out of life. And right. I would really suggest you all students, right? Anybody that's listening, even if they are adults, like to take the time to reflect, um, mm. to to reflect and acknowledge all the wins, all the losses, all the things you're thankful for, all the things that you dislike, um, <laughs> and like move accordingly from um, forward from that. Um, I think just reflection is something because we're all we're we're on all the time. We're on the go, mm. go, go, um, and through programs like College Match, Project Europe, in my work as an advisor at College Track, there's intentionality that mm -hmm. helps students be successful, that helps just people in general to, you know, find happiness in their life, but it all starts with intentionality. And mm -hmm. I think reflection is one way to find that intentionality that I wanna, highlight I guess that's a last minute thing yeah I love that I went to a Jesuit university so everything is embedded with reflection um right and growing up uh Catholic right it's part of prayer and reflection um and however you identify if you're not a religious person I still think reflection is part of um like you said, our growth and our journey to take some time away and step mm -hmm. back from kind of the go, go, go-ness of the world. Um, and I think that's what quarantine and what's happening in the world is kind of forcing us to do is like sit your buttocks at home and reflect on your life. What do you want to do? What do you actually want out of it? What do you want to accomplish? And if you, and you don't have to be, um, I'm not saying that so you're hyper um, performing. Um, that's not what I mean. What I mean is um, take some time to reflect and, and you don't have to produce anything. If you sleep, if you rest, that is part of reflection too. Mm -hmm. um, we're like, I think we 
we get caught up in this idea that we have to keep producing and producing. And that's part of the um, capitalist patriarch system that's telling us to overproduce. And it's like, hold on, mm-hmm. our production does not equal our success. Um, so please uh, take some time to rest and um, reflect and uh, recharge because it's been one heck of a year. <laughs> um, awesome. Thank you so much, Yesenia. I loved our chat. I loved our conversation. Uh, if you love these conversations with Yesenia, we're going to probably do a part two about uh, being growing up Latina and diving more into the nuances of what it means to be first generation Latina. I think that has a different layer of, of conversation that we're going to dive in deeper. So if that's something you want to listen in, uh, watch out for that episode. Thank you so much again for having me and for this wonderful, you know, coffee and chat about college and career. Like, I think, I hope that students and other educators find this insightful. Um, And I can't wait to listen to what other guest speakers from this podcast have to share about their stories and their life and the insights that they bring for future generation success so that, because we want to see first gens thrive, you know, and give back to the world and make positive change so that we see, so that we live in a society that we want. Exactly. We're out there. We're out here. We're all here supporting you. So uh, I love this new web of networking. So until next time, my friends. Ciao, ciao.